accusés d'un vol qu'ils n'ont pas commis, n'ayant aucun moyen d'en faire la preuve, ils fuient sans cesse devant leurs poursuivants. Pour subsister, ils emploient leurs compétences. Quand la loi ne peut plus rien pour vous, il vous reste un recours, un seul, l'agence Tourisque. Ladies and gentlemen, take motherfucking two. It is the Rogue Opinions podcast, and I nearly blew up my own eardrum, so apologies to you guys there in the beginning who are listening to this with headphones. But I am Jimmy Baxter, the loud, annoying American that you come so far and wide to listen to here on the Rogue Opinions podcast, and we are going to do yet another great uh, great grapple update. Um, no counter-programming this time, because the only three guys that I can imagine getting together talk about everything that's happened this week in the world of wrestling is the a-team that's right it's me and it's nathan and it's scott nathan how the hell are you gotta make sure i can hear you this time around oh, i'm so good man oh there he is yeah there he is. loud and proud scott let's let's make sure we can hear you baby how's it going hey hey guys can, can you hear me can you hear oh you son of a bitch you son of a bitch! I thought you were. I thought it was clear. Like it's me, man. No, yeah. <laughs> well, welcome to the ATM ASMR chat. And, uh, uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, as you can tell, uh, we are going to have a great time discussing some eh, wrestling. You know, it happened. Um, some of it was a lot more. Uh, some of it was a lot more monologue driven and we're going to get right into it uh, because we had quite a busy week of wrestling to go through. And uh, we are going to start uh, with, uh, as we record this, it is Thursday later in the evening for you guys earlier in the evening for me over here in the good old US of a. Um, so uh, AEW and NXT took place last night. I have not had a chance to watch NXT. Nathan, Nathan has not watched anything and Scott watched NXT. So <laughs> I watched um, NXT. What happened? Does that count? No. No, I mean, it did a little bit. Nah. Anyway, so uh, the TNT Open Challenge took place. Uh, one of the uh, things I want to talk about from Dynamite real quick. Uh, and Eddie Kingston was given the nod. Uh, big time independent wrestler, uh, most notably from NWA Power uh, as of recently. And uh, he cut a scathing promo on one Cody Rhodes, among others, a couple weeks ago at ICW No Hold Court Volume 3 that took place on IWTV. Uh, fun show if you're into that style of deathmatch wrestling. Um, he performed on that show and then called a lot of people out and got this matchup. Um, I'm a big Eddie Kingston fan. I am. Um, some of the things he said during the promo were a little problematic for me. Um, and I hope that this is a beginning for uh, new indie wrestlers to come in and really have a shot to be shown to a wider audience. Hopefully we get guys like Effie and, um, you know, Warhorse and Matt Tremont and other guys coming in from the indies to do these little one-offs and have good matches with Cody. Cause it was a very good match. Um, I'm going to go to uh, Scott first. Uh, you obviously have seen uh, uh, Eddie Kingston before on NWA power. Um, <laughs> but um, how, like, uh, and you, did you see any of what took place on AEW? Like, uh, whether that be the promo or any of the match? Uh, mostly seen the promo rather than the match and also the outcome. Because uh, I was watching NXT, but then quite quickly, 
as soon as the promo happened, uh, there was a tweet being shared about obviously showing the video clip of the, the promo itself. Because I'm pretty sure a lot of people who are watching at the time might not have seen the, the ICW version that you talked about. And like, fair news to you, can't never get that opportunity because he liked a lot of the indie names that they've brought in. Probably wouldn't have anywhere else to work had he not got this opportunity. And he's a different opponent from, say, a Ricky Starks or like Jake Kager that Cody's fought, the, fought for the title before. So it's nice that we're getting this variety of opponents and also the mystery behind who was going to answer the challenge. I know I, I did see a lot of people. Uh, suggesting Matt Cardona, former Zack Ryder, was going to show up, but uh, I have a feeling we'll see him sooner rather than later. And a big woo, woo, woo to Matt Cardona. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if if you guys haven't seen it yet uh, on the AEW uh, the AEW uh, social media, they did put out the promo that he cut after losing the match to Cody, uh, where uh, I think the overall message that can be taken from it is uh, the sentence that he said. After 18 years in the business, I've learned that you don't lose, you learn. So uh, he's coming away from this experience having been beaten, uh, but ultimately he said that he uh, learned a lesson and he hopes to be back uh, continuing to learn more lessons and hopefully turning that into some wins if AEW has him back. Uh, Nathan, uh, were you uh, a fan of the stuff Eddie was doing over in uh, NWA or do you know any of the other stuff he was doing? Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> I know it was called Mad King, but I now know that. Uh, but he had a good match, and again, I hope you get more indie people showing up in AEW as well. It plays right to their audience, uh, so it's a good thing to do. I think sooner rather than later, you're going to have to have one of them perhaps get a shock win, so that it doesn't just look like every time it happens, uh, it's kind of like just someone coming in to lose. But at the moment, it's a good thing, and it's clearly, it's clearly working. What lesson do you think Eddie Kingston learned? What's like his number one takeaway from the match, do you think? Uh, probably not to... I'm not going to repeat some of the things that he said during the uh, the ICW promo, uh, just in case I get them wrong. Um, but uh, maybe before you call people out, you you do your homework on, on how they are, really, because uh, the match that he had... I watched it. Uh, the match was very good. Eddie was very good in it. Cody took a crazy powerful power bomb into some thumbtacks um and again cody is really just showing that um i mean because like 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 people have said before that they are conditioning the audience to believe that a lot of these guys are just going to come in and lose after having a good match and whatnot um and i think that a, a shock win from somebody that they plan to do something with uh in future um uh, maybe even have like a program with cody over the belt for a little while would be best. Um, and hopefully it's somebody that isn't necessarily under the AEW banner. So they can do maybe like a sort of CM Punk walking out with the title in 2011, sort of deal with them maybe. And that might be cool. Uh, maybe get the TNT title defended on some indie shows and whatnot. Who knows? Um, but yeah, that, that was the thing. Um, if you haven't watched AEW, make sure to check out the false count anywhere tag team match that the bucks and the butcher and the blade had very, very fun, sort of a lightly cinematic, at least at the beginning um definitely a fun match to watch if you haven't checked it out yet but over on the nxt side of the fence um it was announced that uh keith lee uh would be uh giving up the uh, nxt north american title and they were going to be having a series of triple threat matches to determine the competitors in a ladder match that is going to take place at the sexiest takeover of all takeover 30 <laughs> maybe um and, uh, yeah, so that match will take place at TakeOver 30, presumably in 
the uh, Performance Center. It was also announced earlier today uh, through a lot of the Dirt Sheet sites that uh, a new venue for SummerSlam will be announced soon. Um, I got $100,000 that I don't have right now on uh, the fact that it's going to be in the Performance Center because I don't know where the fuck they're going to put it anywhere in the world other than the Performance Center or Full Sail. So there's that. But uh, what do you guys think of uh, having Keith Lee relinquish the North American title and then the series of triple threat matches to lead to a big ladder match, which is the way that the North American title first uh, was introduced way, way back, I believe, at the New Orleans over a couple of years ago. Anyway, going to go to Nathan first. Nathan, what do you think of the setup here for the uh, North American ladder match? I think it's smart. I think it was a good decision to have Keith Lee not have to lose the title because he can't be double champion forever because it gives a lot of other people nothing to do. But you don't want to have Keith Lee lose too often because he's your main champion. So you either have him drop the title through massive shenanigans or uh, he gives it up. And giving it up, I think, is a good idea. Creates some intrigue, sets up this big ladder match. I like the idea of the people that they've got trying to compete because there's going to be some big names not in that ladder match uh, as well. So it's kind of what are they going to be doing at TakeOver because presumably they're going to be on it. Uh, And it's a good opportunity. I think uh, it's a good idea. And other stuff Keith Lee did on the show as well has really created some intrigue for sexy TakeOver. The sexiest TakeOver you can ever imagine. The hottest cornhole action you will find. Uh, Scott... (laughs) What do you think of uh, not only the sexiest takeover in history, <laughs> but um, the uh, the idea of having a series of triple threats to determine the participants in a ladder match for the North American title? Uh, I really like the idea. It's great of intrigue going into takeover. Uh, they, they already had the first triple threat, which was a stellar match. And I've seen the match that they've announced for next week, which I'm looking forward to even more. And I agree with Nathan that it was a good idea for me to have him vacate the belt because, you know, nobody gives ultimate warriorship for drop, for vacating the IC belt when he became WF champion back at Mania 6. I mean, there's worse things you can give him shit for, but we'll, we'll not talk about that. But <laughs> it's, it's the thing you have with double champions sometimes is that it's a great moment to have someone with two belts. But sometimes it, it can't always work out the well when you think of the options of how to get a belt off them. And uh, I'll use this example like of a really complicated way I company did it. Uh, ICW, the Scottish one, not the New York one you were talking about earlier, they had BT Gun as the World Heavyweight and ZOG champion at the same time. And the way they chose to get the ZOG belt off of them was they had a, I mean, a triple threat match with Jody Fleisch and Mark Coffey. And uh, he was setting up for a World Heavyweight title match a couple of weeks later at Barramania against Mickey Whiplash. So BT got taken out of the triple threat by the masked goons of Mikey Whiplash, so it left Coffee and Fleisch in the ring, so, oh, the triple threat, BT won't get pinned to lose the belt, he doesn't look too weak. Instead, they do a double pin spot with Fleisch and Coffee, and the belt gets vacated and decided in a gauntlet match at Barramania, which Coffee won. So, like, I remember thinking, <laughs> why the fuck didn't you just give him in the triple threat? He's so convoluted. What do you think he- of... What do you guys think of maybe potentially bringing back the old stipulation of the guy who wins the, uh, you know, the, the mid-card title that eventually he can trade it in or relinquish it to, to have a shot at the main title, and then they do this ladder match sort of stipulation like once every year maybe? Uh, maybe it, it's something that I thought of immediately once I saw the breakdown for this yesterday. 
uh, that possibly they could continue to do these North American Championship ladder matches because the first one was obviously so successful with that six-way uh, at a very non-sexy takeover. A very good show, but just not sexy. Um, uh, that, New, I think that New Orleans, that's, City of Jazz. Nothing sexier <laughs> than jazz. No, no, no. They have their jazz cigarettes and their their flapper girls and whatnot, but they don't have the sex you an, appeal. You had an actual porn star in that match. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't even, but no, I mean, what do you, like, do you think that maybe that's something that they could maybe try and adopt where, uh, the, the mid card title gets sort of, you know, thrown into the, the void, uh, just to give a lot of because NXT has the problem. I mean, it's a good problem to have, but they have a problem of their roster is pretty stacked. I mean, you have all the people in the performance center, you have people who could come down from the main roster to NXT, or you have all these people that are just sort of on the peripheral of uh nxt that you know i think it might be good to try and freshen things up a little bit you know um what do you guys think of maybe that 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 could be something that they could do i think the that would kind of if you talk about you can just trade the title in for a world title opportunity i feel like that's kind of copying a bit of what the money in the bank's all about so then you got the money in the bank person who could trade it in for a world title shot at any time but then you've also got the north american title person who could do that it might just be a little bit too much like there's probably some good stories you can tell with that though and maybe would it risk becoming a bit samey because you've already also got money in the bank every year where you're guaranteed uh, at least two ladder matches or two at the exact same time if it's this year but uh, I, don't, I don't know if it would just be a bit samey yeah and I mean has- go ahead Judd so, uh, I, and I also think that a lot of what you're saying, the way you're describing it, sounds a lot like when TNA did like option C uh, with the X Division belt. And I know there's going to be a lot of people who did that that would then point it in, or you're just stealing this idea because in wrestling doesn't seem to be any original ideas anymore. But as good as it would be, I, I do think that people would get sick of it after a while. Although I, I'd like to think that it would make the North American belt a bit more of a, a prize to like go after and hold on to. But I think once you do one or two of them, then you fall into the trap of people like expecting more of the uh, matches. Like if one doesn't have as many like big spots as like the one the year before, and a lot of people kind of tired of them. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's only so many times you could do it. But if it's not like if it's more of a like once a year sort of deal, or like once every like once like every other round of takeovers or something, I don't know. Something that popped into my head, figured I'd bring it up on the old podcast here, but that's not exactly what I think. Just, the, just a final thing to say on that. Sorry to cut go you go off. Go go like, go. You, I think the other thing is then you'd have two former Lake things in the takeovers. Cause there's not so many takeovers and we already know at some point towards the end of the year, you're going to hear William Regal shout war games. So if you've also got like the yearly North American ladder, ma- ladder match as well as that, it's kind of, copying then on the main roster you know you're going to get a hell in a cell mm-hmm. at this point of the year you know you're going to get money in the bank at this point of the year you know the royal rumble's coming at that time of the year you can kind of start to set your watch to just whatever's going on like you don't you don't even need a watch you just check what pay-per-views next to know what day is but like um i just think part of nxt's charm is it how unpredictable it is uh, other than war games so like what, what was that what what is it other than 
War Games. Oh, now I got you. Now I got you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, War Games is not what we are here to talk about. We are here to talk about the last weekend's uh, set of shows. One of them was Impact uh, Wrestling Presents Slammiversary 2020. The other one was the horror show at Extreme Rules. Yes, horror, Mafu, from Botchamania. Not all Americans say horror when they say horror. Um, just in case you're <laughs> listening to this, obviously. Um because that was the thing. Extreme rules coming the, right before the, the horse show. Takeover. The horse <laughs> show, yes, yes. Because uh, the Godfather was set to return because he thought it was horse show and he was going to make a big return to uh, WWF or WWE. And uh, that didn't happen once he realized that the poster had come out and it said horror. Anyway. Man's got so many gimmicks. Like 85 last time I checked? Anyway. Um, so I figure we start off with. I guess let's start on a let's start on the lowest possible note. The horror show at Extreme Rules, uh, live on the WWE Network from the tropical palatial estate known as the WWE Performance Center. Uh, did you guys both catch the pre-show? Uh, I did. No. I and I made the mistake of thinking Buddy Murphy was going to win that, like Christy the Clown, betting against the Harlem Globetrotters. I thought Murphy was due. <laughs> thought he was doing right. <laughs> Murphy is the Washington Generals here. Because uh, Kevin Owens took on Bloody Buddy Murphy uh, in a singles match that went about nine minutes. And as far as pre-show matches go, pretty good. I only caught the end of it, but uh looked pretty good. Um, uh, as Scott said, uh, Kevin Owens ended up picking up the victory in about nine minutes. So then we move swiftly on to the main show. And the first match of the main show was Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura taking on the New Day, Big E, and Kofi Kingston in a tables match for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships. They go about ten and a half minutes. And surprisingly, um, Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura walk away with the W and the SmackDown Tag Team titles. Um, I thought this match was really good. I enjoyed this match uh, a whole, whole bunch. Lord, you into a false sense of security that they were going to do something fun throughout the, the pay-per-view, but we will get to the rest of that. Uh, the match comes to a close when Kofi Kingston takes a huge powerbomb off the second rope through two tables to the floor and is now definitely deceased. Um, and yeah, as I said, Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura come away with the tag belts. I'm going to go to Scott first. Scott, tell me what you thought of the opener here. I really enjoyed it. I think it was a solid choice for the opener. I and I really enjoyed like, what these guys have been doing in the weeks leading up to this. They've really did a good job of rebuilding Cesaro and Nakamura as a credible threat again. And I like that it was only one member of the team had to go through the table because it basically was building and building like the teases of people going to the table. And then you had the big like crescendo, as it were, with Kofi going through two tables. And that being like we don't see spots like that anymore or like spots like that as often anymore. Outside of designated pay-per-views like TLC, it made it... It gave it more of an impact as a finish and also the surprise for some people that Nakamura's throw actually won. And I do agree, they kind of they kind of lulled you in to how good the show would actually be because uh, I, I, like, I like to think of myself as someone who doesn't obviously, doesn't always just immediately shit on things. Like they remain optimistic when it comes to wrestling. But I have to say, this show was fucking abysmal. Honestly. <laughs> Other than this match and like a few moments here and there. I fucking hated this entire thing. 
Whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't don't bury the lead on us, Scott. How did you really feel? Um, I'm Nathan, sorry, like, I can't be over in the bush anymore. <laughs> well, there's plenty to talk about through the rest of the show. But Nathan, um, two two questions that I suppose you can answer at the same time. How did you feel about the match? And also, is there a better guy to, that you can stick in a tag team than Cesaro and make? you know, people give a shit because uh, he, if he can seem to make Shinsuke like give a fuck as he did with Sheamus and, you know, uh, as he did with Tyson Kidd back in, what was that, 2014? Um, I mean, is, is, is Cesaro the best tag team wrestler that they have on the roster? Uh, first off to the, to the match, yeah, I thought it was good. It was a good opener. Uh, credit to Kofi for taking a, as you say, huge bump to the, to the outside uh, you can't go wrong sticking these four guys in a ring. It's going to be good. Uh, I probably would have rather just watched them have a standard match than a tables match, but it, it, was, it was a good opener. Uh, Cesaro, I think there's a reason he's always been in tag teams, even before WWE. Uh, he was a tag team guy mostly, and because uh, he's, he's damn good at it. Like Some of the hot tags that he gets are outstanding. Uh, second behind hot tags, probably only to Kane. Um, excuse me, Billy Gunn is the <laughs> best hot tag in the business. Are you with me, Scott? <laughs> I, I, I think you know, Having done the retro review, I know that the Outlaws don't always have the best matches. So, uh, but at least Billy Gunn gives you a good hot tag. Uh, as far as motivating Shinsuke, I don't know. Maybe Cesaro's just promised him something. Like if he actually tries. <laughs> Uh, and, but yes, Cesaro, he's, at, he's outstanding. He's amazing in, in a tag team, always is. And uh, he's also great singles-wise. I just think him in a tag team adds something to Cesaro because I don't think Cesaro is perhaps outside of his ring work. He's just a little bit boring. Mm. And like, yeah, But no, he probably is the best tag team wrestler the WWE has, certainly. Yeah, uh, I... I couldn't agree more i think that uh anytime if you if you have nothing to do with the guy stick him with somebody who may be floundering a little bit or seems to not give us give a shit nudge nudge nakamura um stick him with him and see what happens usually you're gonna roll a pretty nice uh a pretty nice result on that Did dice see, roll you see cesaro's launch his own coffee beans has he really yeah that's how boring he is uh, <laughs> I don't know. Are they fair trade? Is he going to Colombia and stuff himself to make sure that those uh, coffee beans come out uh, a okay? <laughs> Did you see there was actually a story of the coffee beans that got caught somewhere uh, because each bean was filled with cocaine? Yeah, yeah, I saw that earlier today. <laughs> how much like, fucking effort did that go to? How much of a pain in it? Because coffee beans, ladies and gentlemen, if you've never seen a full intact coffee bean, they're not very big. <laughs> you've never seen a coffee bean you don't know you don't know who listens to these things who's sheltered of an upbringing do you think some of these people who are listening have had listen there are people out there who haven't seen back to the future or star wars okay so i'm i'm going across the board here ladies and gentlemen all right i'm trying not to i'm trying not to be exclusionary i'm trying to be inclusive inclusive Uh, if you've never seen a coffee bean they're like six foot wide don't fucking mislead the people nathan <laughs> speaking of misleading the people the next match uh was bailey with sasha banks uh defending the smackdown women's tag team championship against nikki cross 
uh, with Alexa Bliss. Um, uh, they go about 12 and a half minutes. Um, I actually kind of dug this match. What I did not dig was the, uh, we're all best friends and we can get together and we can win and we'll be best friends even if you lose because you're a fucking loser backstage before the fucking match took place uh, between Nikki Cross, Alexa Bliss, and the Kabuki Warriors. Don't know why we had that. Don't know why we needed that. Sort of had me shaking my head. Um, but yeah, this match was all right. Um, and then, of course, through shenanigans, uh, which is what I call them, shenanigans, uh, Sasha Banks cleverly sneaks the uh, the boss uh, brass knuckle ring thing that she wears to Bailey. Bailey hits Nikki Cross right in the breadbasket and hits her with that forward-facing DDT deal that she does and pins her for the win. I'm going to go to Nathan first. Nathan, WWE SmackDown Women's Championship match. How'd you feel about it? Yeah, uh, it was it was fine. I guess I like Nikki Cross's shtick. Again, I didn't like the bit beforehand either. Like, I half expect Kyrie Sane to just double check she had a passport on her. <laughs> like halfway through that, it was so weird. It was just like, you're gonna win. I'm gonna win. So like, well, what do you need? What what is happening? This isn't a horror show. Um, uh, that was a horror show. I was pretty frightened by how bad it was. Yeah, it's a horror show of acting. But, uh, yeah. It's just so strange. Uh, but I thought the match was serviceable, I guess. There's a much better women's match coming up later uh, in the show. But I think Bailey is on such a hot run at the moment. Her and Sasha Banks are probably the best thing. Certainly the best thing on SmackDown. Uh, perhaps definitely the best thing across Raw as well. Because uh, there's nothing going on over there. And uh, I think the right winner, I don't think Nikki Cross is good as she is i think she should be winning the title uh, i think the nikki cross alexa bliss thing has probably run its course as well it's probably time for alexa bliss to kind of move on from this a little bit i think alexa bliss suffers from the same thing as uh maybe she uh i hate to steal this verbatim from other people i've heard it from but she sort of seems like to have this air of um she knows she peaked a couple of years ago um, and I think maybe if Nikki turns on her, it would be better. And if, if Nikki's just the bad guy and up against Alexa Bliss, I think that might be a little bit better. But what did you think, Scott, of uh, Bailey versus uh, Nikki Cross? Uh, well, I've elected to move past your pronunciation of Nikki Cross a moment ago, uh, Jimmy. So I'll just talk about the actual match because, yeah, the segment. What was wrong with my pronunciation? It's Nikki Cross, right? So the match, he just he uh, just, got off, <laughs> just got on his bandwagon about being all inclusive, and now he's being massively racist. Especially xenophobic. Scottish are not a race. For the... We're listen, not the race. Listen, listen, of all the people to call anybody out for being against the Scottish, the last person I would think it would be you, Nathan. What did I do? Oh, should we play some audio here about all the times that you went and just shit all over glasgow i'm yeah, on the, your side i'm on your side Scott. Yeah, I, I like the people i love the people too <laughs> i just think that nikki cross should maybe have walked away with the championship here anyway scott what did you think about the match well nikki cross has never been uh, a good actor even back in her indie days she wasn't the best uh, actor yeah she seems to have went from the way i describe her as she went from crazy nikki cross that she was insanity to that friend on a night out that you need to rein in a little bit. And it looks like <laughs> that person like I'm, is like, I'm sorry about her. I'm sorry about her. I'm, I'm really sorry. Just like, calm it down. 
she never right. leaves the house. We just we just try and make her calm, but she doesn't get out. She gets really excited. Give her an hour. She'll be all right. But, but you're going to get fucking kicked out of here when you scam it, then. Uh, <laughs> as for the match, like, they did their best. And I know that sounds really patronizing, but they've gotten to a stage where Nikki and Sasha are so good together. Bailey and Sasha are so good together that I think they won't be able to get to care as much about the SmackDown women's title being defended until they finally give us Bailey versus Sasha. And I think matches like this really suffer as a result because I think they're, we've got such a clear ending to Bailey and Sasha's story that anybody who tries to challenge them in the meantime, especially like the singles titles, immediately doesn't become as believable as a challenger as much as I like Nikki Cross. I think the only reason way she would lose the belt, she would win the belt here, is if they wanted like a shock win. Even then, I think they do what they did with Charlotte and have her like barely win the belt back like two weeks later. Yeah, I think a, a lot of wrestling sort of suffers from uh, from the whole uh, just idea of like champions need to have long reigns because I hear a lot of like you don't want to overbook the title a lot from people, and I think bouncing the titles around every once in a while isn't bad especially when we're in this era of, you know, everything sort of seems stagnated as it is. So why not fucking give Nikki the title for, you know, a week, 10 days, whatever, and then have her lose the belt again to Bailey. I don't think it really does anything to Bailey right now. I mean, she can't get it. I think if she gets even more Karen-esque um, because she <laughs> lost the belt and demands to see the referee's manager or something, and gets a rematch and wins it right back. I, you know what the fuck? You know, do do the do the uh, the the boss ring finish two weeks from now on SmackDown. Who gives a shit? The ratings are suffering enough. You might want to fucking, you know, do something like that. Um, I think they have done. They have left it nice and open because I don't think you need to bounce. You don't need to bounce the title around. Like you can have someone have a long title reign, like Adam Cole did in NXT. If you just tell interesting stories, like you could have. Bailey keep the title forever if all the stories are great but I think they're all just the same thing at the minute they're all just Bailey comes up against a challenger she looks like she's going to lose so she cheats on to the next one um like we don't know what's going to happen on Smackdown they might do something amazing uh I doubt it but they might and uh <laughs> and uh and give Nikki because Nikki Cross does have she warrants another chance and they've just done the Stephanie McMahon thing on Raw as well which we'll get to when we get to Sasha v. Asuka, but they just—it's just not an interesting story. Nikki, as you say, like crazy Nikki having a cocaine-filled coffee, and her <laughs> mate who looks a bit bored on the outside, just hanging out with the cool kids, and it's just weird. But yeah, just, yeah, just tell better stories, guys. Get some good yeah. writers. Get Freddie Prince Jr. back. All right, jeez. Yeah. What, what, a, what a time that was. Um, I think now would be the best time for me to say, if you guys haven't, knowing that this show was on the network, also what's on the network is the R-Truth game show, and it is fantastic. If you haven't seen that, Alexa Bliss is in the first episode. It's very funny. His interaction with Sheamus in the first episode, his interaction with Drew McIntyre in the second episode, classic, classic shit. If you guys haven't checked that out, go check it out. Um, but someone who's not going to be able to watch the R-Truth game show is <laughs> oh god i forgot about this it's time ladies and gentlemen for the never before done anywhere else for any reason because obvious reasons eye for an eye match 
that went 18 and a, 18 minutes and five seconds, according to Wikipedia. The match could only be won when one competitor extracted the eye of their opponent by pushing it. I don't know. Uh, Seth Rollins v. Uh, Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio comes away with the uh, the lost eye. Um, first and foremost, I got to ask, Nathan, how fucking weird was it that in a match where a person literally walked to the ring with pliers in his hand, started off with some, uh, a bit of the graps? I, 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 think, I don't necessarily think that's weird. Like, there's so many different stipulations that you could say that about like it's weird when it's like a last man standing match and they just lock up at the beginning no hit someone with a hammer and win there's no rules to this thing (laughs) and uh like uh so i don't think that's the weirdest thing about this match because it's an eye for an eye match so you'd have to be fucking hard pushed to find something weirder than that uh i just think like there are there's surgeries where people take out their eyes these guys have money why didn't they buy like the actual equipment for this so surely surgeons of eye extractors or something like that, or just more useful things in a toolbox than to get someone's eye out. I don't think it's, it's fucking stupid that you've got like Rey Mysterio, one of the most influential wrestlers probably of all time because of the time that he came up, because of his uh, his size, uh, because he got lawn darted into a bus once and uh, things like that. And then you've got Seth Rollins, who's probably bell to bell if you take out the fact that he's a bit of a bell end online uh, he's one of the best wrestlers on the planet and you go oh cool we got ray versus seth on the pay-per-view stop there you don't need to do anything else you don't you sit there and go okay let's have them rip out their eyes and it's just it's just surrounding something that should be amazing and just throwing shit at it and it's just it's unnecessary overbooked nonsense but it the show is called the horror show um so i don't think they went far enough with it i wanted to see him start i thought they were going to cinematic it do something stupid have some late 90s cgi involved uh have one of them like have a fake eye and act like their eye got knocked out but it's actually a trick and or something like that but as you say it was just it was kind of a a standard hardcore match and then sephron is threw up so maybe he was on that night out with nikki and had one too many we it's don't know possible. why he threw up. <laughs> it's possible. And I, I totally agree with you that, like, they should have gone full bore with it. Like, y- if you weren't paying attention and you weren't, like, screenshotting every millisecond of the match at the end, you weren't going to see the eye. Um, and then, of course, Seth throws up uh, the rock's porridge all over the floor. Hmm. Um <laughs> Yeah, such an old reference. That's literally if you haven't been listening to us the entire time, you're not going to get that. But I knew that these guys would love it. So I did it anyway. A year and a half ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Possibly on another network. I don't know. uh, I don't think that was us. I don't even think it was on us. That's so long ago. (laughs) That's Um, how long ago it was. But but Scott, I got I got I got to ask you. I know that uh, you weren't probably weren't a fan of this. go of this whole thing going on but how was your favorite moment of the night not the entire crowd literally shaming seth rollins out of the building it's like i think the whole well why did this match start with was actual wrestling the least of its concerns because it's weird mm-hmm. that everybody knew this match was going to be bollocks but the big complaint about it is it wasn't bollocks enough in its execution was like because they did all these spots like getting all these different things to try and take each other's eye out and then the finish came to, oh yeah, the exact same spot they did on Raw that started the Soul Seed in the first place. And With less blood. Mm-hmm. 
But then, like, this needed to be cinematic because this needs to go full B-movie horror crap. Like, I read this idea to my brother and the people I was watching this with that I wanted this match to end the show and the closing shot of the paper should have been rating Seth I out, like Kill Bill style, and the closing shot of the paper as the warm-up comes up is Ray dropping Seth I and then crushing it as he walks away into the sunset with his son that's fucking massive. That's that's pretty brilliant. Um, Vince, you can have that one for free. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, the wrestling was good in it, though, is like the thing that you have to keep coming back to, especially with this show. Um, but then, like a lot of the rest of the show suffers from, by the end, you were brutally reminded that you're watching a subpar WWE production. I, I mean, there's no other way around it. So we we just moved into this match. Are we jumping over the MVP fucking Lashley debacle? Because that's pissed me off even more. I think because like by all proxy, MVP should be the US champion right now. Apollo Crews is scheduled for a title defense. He cannot apparently defend it, so he forfeits the belt to MVP. Which that is that is just how I see. It. Am I the only one who sees this? Do they just give as little of a shit about the US belt? Because first they had Andrade go off for a month and not drop the belt, because apparently he Umberto that much. And now they won't even let <laughs> Apollo drop the U.S. belt when he may have COVID. Yeah, apparently he had, like, I think it was weird. Like, wasn't it weird that they didn't, that they were like, oh, he's got a he's got a, a bulging disc in his back from a fucking full Nelson a month ago. Like, hmm. there's no, it just doesn't work that way. Like, you, he would have had to separate his shoulder for something like that. To, it just doesn't make any sense. Just say that the guy failed a fucking COVID test. Like, I don't understand why they have to pretend that this isn't happening. Um, I think people would have respected them more for it, but that's just me. Um, yeah, I don't know. This this was like, the wrestling was good, but by the end you were just like, oh yeah, WWE is sort of spinning the wheels here and just sort of going like, well, we said that they were going to remove an eye. We, we fucking whatever. And then Seth throws up because he sees it, but no one else can see it. So whatever. We fucking, we did it. We did the thing. All right, let's move on. Um, you, know, you know what my biggest takeaway from Extreme Rules was? This is this show is the reason why W should never bring back Halloween Havoc. Because I know people are like, oh, but I want the pumpkin set. You're not going to get the pumpkin set because they didn't bring back the swinging hooks for Backlash. You're not going to get the pumpkin because... That even if they do the Halloween Havoc, they're going to get stuck on the Halloween motif and they're going to just do the same kind of bollocks they did here because they painted themselves in their corner with the, the horror show thing and they had to do overly complicated matches like this. Oh, we're going to see people get their eyes plucked out of their head. Like, we didn't need that. Like, Extreme Rules is just a stopgap. Just give us okay matches and then start building to SummerSlam because that's what we give a shit about. Yeah. They've Extreme Rules, they completely lost... They've lost the plucks, WWE. One thing they do extremely poorly, bar a couple of exceptions here and there, is hardcore wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like, But they've got a show called Extreme Rules. So you almost feel like, well, stop calling it that. Because you're not going to give us, like... Under NXT, again, NXT uh, does it pretty well when they want need to go extreme. But instead of just giving us Rey Mysterio v. Seth Rollins in a 25-minute Extreme Rules match... Like for some reason, the main roster always has to go. No, we're gonna do. We, we don't. People don't want that. They want bad acting, and it's just just chill. Like creative kind of 
just going over the top with their ideas. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you've got to rein it in sometimes. And how this got through to end up on TV is just it's just stupid, unless you're going to go, as we kept saying, unless you're going to go completely over the top with it, because everyone knows Rey Mysterio hasn't actually lost an eye. So let's go, let's be fucking stupid about it. Yeah, I don't understand. Like, if you're trying to keep a guy uh, for the long term, like, why... Why do this? Like, why have this? Because, like, you know he's going to come back. You know, like, they, I, I, I don't know. I just think, like, I agree with you guys. They definitely should have just gone full bore for it. Like, look at the Money in the Bank match. Rey Mysterio mm-hmm. got thrown off a goddamn roof a couple months ago, and he's fine. Like, it was bonkers, but it needs to be bonkers. Like, if you're going to make something bonkers, just go for it. Mm-hmm. I hope Seth Rollins uses this as his gimmick forever. He just becomes the eye remover. Well, this seems to be a thing. He becomes a king slayer. He kills one king. He removes one eye. Because like they, they miss an opportunity to have Seth lose his eye and come back with an eye patch like a Barry from Captain Scarlet. Because <laughs> <laughs> like. Oh. And I think I think it may have been a call toilet thing or someone else. I can't remember exactly what I said, but somebody said they could get around and having two eyes again, like after he comes back, after like Becky gives birth to the baby, have him come back and say, "I'm the Messiah. I healed myself," or something like that. <laughs> and that's how you know. He, you know, he should have. He should have become the biggest hero in the industry. He should have found Dominic, put put like a knife to his throat, and Rey Mysterio should have removed its own eye. In the most oh. cartoonish, over ridiculous way, literally using like a plastic spork from like a Tesco's meal deal pasta pot, it just and takes like, out its own eye whilst Dominic just cries. Like, and none of the the stuff that they were using, like they weren't like pl- trying to pluck the eye. Out. It looked like they were just trying to stab yeah. the eye the whole time. Like, why didn't somebody come down to the ring with a fucking spoon or a melon baller? Yeah. Like. Come on, anything now. useful. He's like, Ray Mysterio was like snapping kendo sticks in half. You're like, that's way more useful if you don't do that, Ray. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Plus, the tip of the, the kendo stick was bigger than Seth's fucking eye to begin with. So, like, what are you going to do? Try and push it out the back of his head? Like, come on. I'm fucking rattling around his head like fucking dice in a Yahtzee cup. Anyway, <sighs> this, this shit was... Thank you, Dennis Farina, for that, wherever you are. Love you. Um, uh... Uh, fuck, fuck this eye for an eye bullshit. Um, but they shamed they shamed him out of the out of the arena, which was pretty great. It wasn't his idea. Why why is he why is he for shame? Seth's just competing in yeah, his scheduled like, match. He's doing his job. He's here. He's a key worker, according to the f- uh, Florida's governor, and he is working damn hard to to take that immigrant's eye. Ray Mysterio. Wow. Uh, Ray Mysterio. First of all, America. First of all, he was born in California. He's not an immigrant. Uh, we won't be able to see that wall. <laughs> they could see it. They could see a grade from California. Um, <laughs> Seth Rollins, as you said on Raw, was challenged to this match, and he he cut a promo where he had a crisis of conscience about having to do it. And then, because if Rey Mysterio had won, nobody would have been shaming Rey Mysterio out of the building. It would have been like, yay, yay, 619. Oh, my God. He fucking took his eye. Put it on. Make, make your next mask with the third eye on it. Make it Seth Rollins' stupid eye or whatever. And, like, but it's because Seth Rollins is the bad guy. He had, he had to, like, throw up and then get shamed out of the building. Like, 
how did he not just go like, this wasn't my idea, all right? You know, like... You know what would be a cool finish? Because we kept in 619s and they're saying, oh, he's going to 619, he's out. Well, he's going to be here a while. What he should have done was, if he wanted to take the set out, it was stick a spike to his boot and then hit the 619. I thought that would have been cool. And then just the eye just pops right back out as set backs up. Oh yeah, like 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 a like a bad guy from like a James Bond movie. He just like kicks the heel of his shoe and a knife pops out of the front of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been fantastic if Seth Rollins actually had Ray's eye and like put it inside like a glass box or something, or preserved it forever and started wearing it as a necklace. That would have been great as well. It would have been awesome, but no, he held the eye in and they covered it with a towel. Which like, I'm not a doctor, but like. Isn't the last thing you want to do to try and dry the eyeball out anymore? Like, anyway, let's let's move on. Um, after that shit show was a really, really solid match with a really, really stupid ending. Asuka defending the Raw Women's Championship uh, with Kyrie Sane in her corner uh, against Sasha Banks with Bayley in her corner. And it ended in a no contest after 20 minutes. This match was really, really goddamn awesome until Asuka misses the... The green mist hits the referee with it. Bailey comes in, takes the referee's shirt. Sasha Banks rolls up. Asuka, quick count from Bailey, who is now apparently a referee for the moment. Uh, and they walk out with all the titles. And Sasha Banks is horrendously trying to fix uh, her wig throughout the end of the match. Uh, Bailey ends up doing it on <laughs> camera. Uh, there was there was a little bit of a, a grope fest. I don't know what that was about. They came off like pals. I thought they hated each other. Any hoozle. Scott, start us off. Asuka, Sasha Banks, Raw Women's Championship, 20 minutes. It went. It ended stupidly. What did you think? I know you had to have loved it. I'd like to see this and the, the next match in ring-wise, probably the two best matches I night. It's just the fact that I'd seen so much shit before this. By the time I got here, I just didn't care. Like They bogged me down so much. I couldn't even appreciate Asuka versus Sasha. And it was a match I was I was looking forward to. Like, I perked up when uh, Asuka accidentally missed the referee. I thought, are they actually going to have her Sasha win? Because I wasn't against the idea of Sasha winning. And then being, like, the two-women power trip or whatever. And then just the Bailey thing, like, uh, like you said, an unnecessarily complicated finish to uh, a really good match. And then we have the thing with Stephanie setting up the match for next week on Raw. And honestly, if Sasha then loses that match, what was the point of uh, them doing this in the first place? Because the, the whole point of a paper is you might settle feuds. And then you had Sasha walk away with the women's title, and we weren't sure if this was officially like a title change. And then you had the thing with a MVP earlier, so you left people more confused than you should at a pay-per-view. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's not like... It's not like Bailey is a McMahon where like you can write that off with like oh obviously that they're able to do something. Anyway, Nathan, go ahead and give me uh, your thoughts here on the Raw Women's Championship match. Yeah, I thought it was an outstanding match with some great kind of counter wrestling going. I don't know how long how long have the commentators been like Sasha Banks is one of the best counter wrestlers in all of wrestling. Has that been a thing for a long time? Uh, yeah, I remember them. The first time I remember them mentioning it was when Sasha had that match against Ronda. Oh, okay. They said it a lot, and I was like, "Is, she, is this what she's known for?" But, uh, no, the, mat- the match was great. The ending it just leaves a bad taste in the mouth. You're like, "Oh, so you didn't want to have either of them lose, but you put it on a pay per view." 
Uh, like, so why? I don't really understand this way of booking where it's like, okay, we want to tell this story, Sasha v. Asuka. We don't want either of them to lose, uh, but we're going to put the match out on anyway. Like, just have... Why not have Asuka win using the Green Mist? Like, the Green Mist is technically an illegal move. So she would have won by cheating. The whole referee thing was just dumb. Like, I don't know what, what was Bailey expecting. Was she actually expecting them to be like, yeah, you're now also a referee. And then have her, what, do the main event of Raw on Monday as well? Just, like, take up her role part-time and a bit of cash on the side? <laughs> I'm not really sure what what the point of it was. What was Bailey trying to... And there that. was and there was no other available referee in the building. Did they put a forklift in front of the referee's dressing room or something? Like, how did nobody run out and go, hey, 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 what the fuck are you doing? No, this, been is better. Need, this is Sorry, why we need authority figures. This is why we need <laughs> a genius. <laughs> like, people want all oh, they take up too much time. Yeah, but they also can come out and make confusing shit like this. Like, they can come out and restart matches. So we're not left scratching our heads like, what the fuck just happened after that great match we were just watching? Regal wouldn't have let this happen. No, he absolutely not. straight out there. But look here. He would have, have, he yeah. would have managed generally, and it would have been amazing. Um, but like, but I've got a better ending idea. So Asuka is about to win, but then she gets distracted because what she sees under the turnbuckle is Rey Mysterio's eye. And she's so grossed out that she then throws up her green mist, slips on it, and that's how Sasha Banks wins. Why why didn't the referee just call for the bell when he got misted? Like he couldn't see where where he would be pointing to to get to the timekeeper because he couldn't see. Yeah, but it doesn't impede his his speech. They're in a fairly small room. All he has to do is start wagging his finger around and just go, Ring the fucking bell! Ring the fucking bell! You know, and the match would be over. What's weird is that we're in the middle of this, like, not to bring the real world into it, in the middle of this pandemic, but, like, live in the ring, you got a woman just spitting on people. Yeah, I know, I know. Seems kind of very problematic. And it's green. Should it be green? How did it get green? I mean, I think I think from what I understand, some Japanese wrestlers are born with like sort of like a like a sack in the back of their throat that they can just access that has this mist in it. Um, and I think that that stuff is typically green or black, depending on uh, your affiliation. Um, you know, like a squid. Um, <laughs> the thing with this was. Like, the reason that the referee was so distracted with Sasha before she ducked and he got out of the mist was he was annoyed. He was trying to stop her from using a title belt as a weapon. So, like, on the one night where the reason it'd be extreme, a referee's having to tell a wrestler off for using a weapon. Because, like, it's too many matches in the show that didn't have stipulations when they probably could have used them. Like, this could easily be a submission match. And with the exception of the tail match, all the matches that did have stipulations were utter bollocks. And I've used that word a lot today. And you had two matches where you probably should have been on the show and the situations that made sense in the bar and ball and the unsanctioned match, you moved to TV because your rings are so shit. <laughs> I'm, and, I'm so done with this show. <laughs> and honestly, could we have not had a tank top on the referee when his shirt got pulled off? I mean, the guy didn't ask for any of that. You know, he should have prepared better. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I, 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 like I said, it was a great match, uh, but the ending was 
questionable at best. And then, of course, as we mentioned earlier, Lady Balls is back. The inventor of women's wrestling, uh, Stephanie McMahon, appeared on Monday Night Raw to proclaim that these women will go one-on-one again uh, next week on Raw to determine who is the actual Raw Women's Champion because the match ended in a no contest. Um, Cool. Awesome. Guaranteed Banks is going to try and, you know, do something. I I don't know. I don't know what they're planning on doing here, but let's just get to Banks v. Bailey. Um, Yeah. And next up uh, in yet another confusing term uh, set of events, Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre wrestled each other for the WWE Championship. Uh, The stipulation for this match was held off until the show uh, for reasons. Uh, And uh, the the stipulation that Ziggler picked was that it would be extreme rules, but only for Dolph Ziggler. And McIntyre had to wrestle under under regular, normal, singles wrestling matches. And if he got disqualified or counted out, Ziggler would have won the championship. Cool. Why not have, like, six other dudes come out and be like, you have to pin me. And if anyone else here pins you or whatnot, you still lose the championship. You could have stacked this a lot better, but the wrestling here was really good. McIntyre looked pretty great. The Claymore at the end uh, was particularly uh, very, very good. Popped me a little bit. Gave me a little bit of the ooh when he hit the uh, Claymore at the end, and I appreciated that. Uh, Match goes about 15 and a half minutes, and Drew McIntyre obviously retained. And on Raw, it seems that uh, it appears that this uh, isn't over yet between the two of them. So, yay, more Dolph Ziggler going after the title stuff. Um, so, guys, what did you think? Going to start with Nathan. Go. Uh, Dolph Ziggler appeared, so I started thinking about maybe I could take my own eye out <laughs> instead of look at him. Like, There's nothing wrong with him. He's, a, he's a clearly a good-looking guy. I've just seen him so much in my life. And uh, the stipulation was stupid. If you can just do that, why not just be like, oh, it's a cage match, but only for me, and just immediately run out the cage or something like that. Like, Do something interesting. Again, it's just not extreme. It's not horror show. It's completely against what you've advertised. Uh, but, I'm, but the match was pretty good. It was a good title match. Uh, Drew looked like a monster throughout, which is obviously the point because they're building to something presumably it's going to be randy orton yeah uh, at SummerSlam, that seems to be the way that it's going to go and that's going to be awesome uh but i just i, I just Dolph Ziggler just getting thrown into title matches and just out of nowhere when there's no rhyme or reason for it uh it's just it's just silly because he loses all the time i didn't think for a second Dolph Ziggler was going to win and yeah drew kind of put him away i guess fairly easily uh, but it was it was a it was a fine match. It just didn't need to be uh, on. It just didn't need to be on this pay per view. Or you could have just made it more extreme. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Scott, what'd you think of uh, the WWE title match here? Your boy Drew McIntyre uh, seems to be having uh, sort of okay matches, uh, like as far as opponents go. Uh, what did you think of this one? Uh, like you could throw as many gimmicks as you wanted at this match and they seemingly tried to there was gonna, there was no way you were going to convince me even for a second that Dolph Ziggler was going to win the WWE title like yeah it was cool he pulled at the rock bottom at one point it looked shit because yeah, the rock's like giving praise on, on Twitter and 
I think the issue with Drew as champion has been as great as a worker as he is and good as he is he's developing as a character week to week. The issue is, as well as the solid matches with Dolph and Bobby and Steph, at no point have I ever thought Drew could possibly lose. And that's when you lose something from his matches. That's why I think I really want to see that match with Orton. So Orton is the most believable threat he'll probably face in his title reign. And I think that's what Drew is lacking right now. I was glad to see Drew win. I like Drew basically calling Dolph and basically telling him to bugger off when he tried to get a rematch. And honestly, he said Dolph's like ace of the hole was, okay, Drew, this time you can pick the stipulation. And I hope the stipulation Drew picks is Dolph, if you lose, you, just, you leave the company. Because like, I just want Dolph off my screen for a while. Forever, please. It's like, how can you? How can we miss you if you don't go away? Mm-hmm. We're never going to miss him. Just go away, Dolph. Right into the sun. Just go right into the sun, forever and always. Yeah, just just piss off. Let's go do stand-up. Um, God but, damn it. But then, but then, of course, uh, we get the uh, Wyatt Swamp fight. Bray Wyatt, Braun Strowman, no titles involved. Just a lot of... Uh, a lot of like ripoffs of movies. Um, Bray Wyatt turned out the moon. Uh, there was that Logan thing where young Bray Wyatt, uh, young Braun Strowman beats up uh, older Braun Strowman. Um, then they went full Freddy versus Jason at the end. They tried to trick us with the, uh, the the logo in the bottom corner of the screen. And if you've watched this company for any amount of time over the last couple of years, you've realized that they got away with doing that bit once and confusing people. And now they think that we're stupid and think that we're just going to believe it when that thing pops up, especially where it popped up. Oh, it's over. Uh, no, it's not. First of all. Okay. Uh, this was a whole lot of weirdness. It was 18 minutes long. Um, I don't even know where to fucking start with this. So I'm going to go to Scott. Scott, help me figure this out here. You know, I like a bit of silliness as much as the next guy. Clearly not like the type of sellers we've had on this show so far. Um, I told you know, I heard why it was so involved. Like, obviously, this thing couldn't even touch the uh, the Funhouse match that we got at Mania. But, like, there was just so much weirdness. Like, break it's a promo, and a long promo at that in the middle of the show. He had him popping up at the end, like Jason at the end of the first Friday the 13th. Uh... And you know that's what he's intentionally hoping someone would make that comparison because the big horror bust that Bray Wyatt is. To be honest with you, the biggest shining moment of this match, the one I actually took went away thinking that was actually pretty cool, was the thing with Alexa Bliss being Sister Abigail. Because, like, that was a callback to, like, I heard some people, like Adam from Work Culture and now Rest Talk, said he felt that she should have been Sister Abigail, always pretend to be. And like the whole thing of it going back to their time in the McFit Challenge together and things like that. Because like, even at the start of the street, Braun was on a moment of bliss and he referenced them being a team. So you had Sister Abigail basically taking a vision of something that Braun wants and he clearly wanted to be with Alexa Bliss. And I like that, the kind of the main games that Bray was trying to play with him. Did anyone else think when that giant stunt man who got set on fire came out? To me, for a second, I thought, is that Dominic Dijakovic? <laughs> what a lack it was. Because he, he looks like Dominic. 
That guy ran around whilst set on fire. It was so like even even a guy set on fire was made to look so stupid on the show because he like ran. He was like ah ah like he didn't seem that bothered. He was just like getting told off slightly off off camera to like no run the other way. <laughs> like he didn't look bothered at all. Well, yeah, he gets knocked down like a full five feet away from the fire, and then he moves closer until somebody just like reached off reached in off camera to like hit him with a zippo real quick to set him on fire and then he runs around for a little bit i don't i, I don't i don't know i i just i don't even know what to say bray wyatt turned the fucking moon out to disappear how does that happen i mean it's kind of unexplainable ball this is what we uh we expect from cult leader bray wyatt and because they brought Coley or Bear Wyatt back, they gave us the stuff that we expect. So if there's that. Like, I'm trying to ingress my straws here. I really am. Didn't Bray, who, who won? Bray won. Bray won, well, technically. I mean, technically, but I mean, he drowned Braun Strowman. Then there was that weird sort of red filter on the water. And then the fiend appeared. And the, the shot lingered for what felt like seven years. And then the show is over. So unless SmackDown opens up with a drenched Braun Strowman walking up to the Performance Center. That'd be so good. If it opens up with Braun Strowman drenched in swamp swamp water, uh, trying to hitchhike because he's late to SmackDown, Mm -hmm. that's the only way I'll be happy uh, about this. But... Uh, yeah, this was this was weird. It's just it was so strange, and it was strange in a way that it was definitely the weakest cinematic thing Bray Wyatt has done so far, and I think by quite a margin as well. I think it's the weakest cinematic thing wrestling has done in, in I, this whole period of time. I'd still put this over the the street profits thing. I think personally. I'd still put it over there because at least I was invested in this, whereas the Super thing was more random crap enough that I didn't even care about it to begin with. I just don't see where this goes either. Because like, it wasn't for the title, and the moment they say that, you're like, oh, well, the whoever the champion is is losing. And that's what always happens. It's such like a random trope. Like, why wasn't the title on the line? Because they can't sanction... A title changing hands via drowning. I was just going to say well, that. Yeah. Well, no, you could sanction a match where a guy loses an eye. Surely drowning's not off the table. It's a horror but, show. But Seth Seth wasn't like, you know, if Seth had still had the IC belt or something, I'm sure the eye for an eye wouldn't have been for the IC belt. Well, it's literally called the IC. Well, yeah, yeah. But... I don't see. Yeah. <laughs> this That <laughs> joke that joke is officially my favorite part. Of the horror show at Extreme Rules. Now, if you just, if you just, you got to give us a minute here, guys, because uh, I think I think I need a bit of a, I think I need a bit of a lie down after that. That this show is not very good. I'm gonna go watch the Prestige again. Yeah, I think I'm gonna. I, I need to like have a rage dump. <laughs> All right, see you guys in like two hours. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this podcast. I am not Jimmy Baxter. I 
and Nathan Greenaway. I've just fresh off second viewing at a prestige in one day. Still can't believe it. Mind blow. How the fuck did he do that? But I am here now to play Reddit or not. <gasps> Gasp, they say. Scott versus Jimmy. Last time we did a quiz, uh, Jimmy won. Scott, you feeling ready for revenge? Yep, 100%. Uh, Jimmy's on the rebound. Having lost to you at a quiz, so hopefully he's, he's vulnerable and I can I can come out with the win. Jimmy, how you feeling? Uh, a little a little threatened that um, Scott's looking to try and take advantage of me in my weakened and vulnerable state. But having just come off an amazing honey barbecue chicken salad with ranch, yes, I'm an American and that sounds delicious to me. Um, I think I'm, I'm I've got I've got the power. Or as the Japanese say, Onagi, to uh, take to take Scott down. All right. Well, the rules of Reddit or not are simple. I'm going to read you the title of a potential Reddit thread, and then a brief description of it. I'm going to go to each of you. You've got to tell me whether you think that's real or fake. So you both get the same questions. There are seven questions, and whoever has the most right answers at the end will win. A 30-day free trial of the WWE Network. Doesn't it have, like, a free trial? Uh, Don't they have a free tier, rather? No? Yes, you get a free subscription to the free tier WWE Network. Uh, Guys, we ready? Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) The title is R-Unstirred-Paint. And this is people who take photos of fresh paint before it's been stirred. So still in its tub, they bring the tub home, open it up, look at the pretty pattern, because you always have the bit that rises to the top. And they take a photo of that and upload it to r-unstirred paint. Uh, Jimmy, since you won uh, McMahon or Trump, I'm going to go to you first. What, what are you thinking? Is that real or fake? Well... I'm going to say real. It sounds super real, and I kind of really want it to be real. Okay. Scott, you you in agreement, or, or are you going to go the other way? Hey, I'm going to, to agree with Jimmy, because, well, one, it sounds too boring to be made up. It sounds so boring that I think it could actually be real, almost the equivalent, literally, of watching paint dry before it's even out the tub. <laughs> well, R-unstirred paint, is it real? It is real. Yes. Real thing that you can do. Uh, there's some very pretty ones on there that look like clouds and <laughs> things like that. On to the next one. R dash boot too big. And it is <laughs> exactly what it sounds like. It's images of animals or people who are short wearing boots that are real big. Uh, Scott, I went to Jimmy last time, so I'm going to go to you first. Is that real? Or did I make that up? I mean, we first, at first I was going to say fake, but you said animals as well. And I know people like taking funny photos of animals and stuff in there, and it was seemingly made for. And I know that might be a red term, but fuck it, I'm going to go real on that one. real, Jimmy, what are you thinking? I'm going to say fake, because as much as I want that to be real, this sounds like something you thought of late one night, and it made you giggle. All right, well, R-boot too big. Is it real? 
It is real. Unlucky oh! Jimmy. Well done, Scott. It is real. Dude, I am following all of these subreddits like the minute we're done. <laughs> R-Laws R- of the Wild. This is where Reddit users come on to discuss the laws that they think wild animals should make inspired by Zootopia. And they debate how it would affect the real world. <laughs> Scott, uh, sorry, Jimmy this time. Is R-Laws of the Wild real? Or did I make it up? Specifically Zootopia? Like, it's based on, like, like the world of Zootopia. and like, like Inspired what... by the world of Zootopia. It's so specific, I, I gotta say no. It's gotta be fake. Same fake, Scott. What are you saying? You said there were seven of these that you had for us? Yeah. So I'm gonna say fake, because we haven't had a fake one yet. Uh, just by process elimination, of, that should be at least a couple fakes here. Is it fake? It is fake. Well done, guys. Although now I have to start this subreddit. <laughs> R dash highlighters as pens. Uh, this is people who do calligraphy or write poetry slash sonnets only using highlighters. Is that real or is that fake? Scott, to you first. Well, we had a bit of a come down from the last couple that we've had. Um, got, got, got to build the heat, brother. Again, sounds too boring to be made up, but okay, I'm going to take a risk and say fake. You say fake? Uh, Jimmy, over to you. Uh, just to be controversial, brother, uh, I'm going to say it's real because it's so boring. I don't see why people wouldn't have had the time to do that during quarantine. Real or fake? It's fake. I'm sorry, Jimmy. Oh, oh no, sorry. I'm sorry, Scott. No, who no, said, said fake? No, you said no, fake. No, he, sorry, said, he said fake, yeah. I can try to turn this around on me, Nathan. I'm sorry. So that, does that level up the scores? The Glasgow screw job. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm winning here. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Scott's, yeah, you are. Scott's you ahead by one. You are winning. You are winning. Sorry. R dash if walls could talk. Reddit users submit interesting walls that they've seen in everyday life and discuss what they may say if they could talk. Fuck sake. Jimmy, is that real or fake? Pictures of interesting walls. Um, I'm going to go real. You're going to go real? I'm going to go real. Scott, what are you thinking? Where's your head at? Well, first of all, Nathan, I know I'm the last person to comment on other people's accents, but at first, I thought you said if Wilf could talk. I did actually sing that to, my, to myself as I was reading out. I was like, I was meant to clarify the end. W A L L S. That's my accent. Like, I apologize. If someone should start, or if Wolf could talk somewhere as well, one of us should definitely do that. No, everyone, everyone. If Wolves could talk, Wolves. That's Jericho's next record. Tweet at I am Jericho and just write if Wolves could talk. No context. No context. Not a hashtag. Nothing. Wolves could talk. If wolves could talk, how fucking funny would it be to see a like a like a a collection of him just answering those people back, like just going like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, but Scott, if walls could talk. Uh, I, I definitely think that's a real thing, especially nowadays in quarantine, people have more time to just stare at their walls because they're going insane. Oh, so you're both going fake. Is it real or is it fake? No, no I said real. I no, said we real. both we both said real. Oh, well, you are, both are you even listening? I am, I am listening. Sorry, the game is just so tense. You both said real. And I'm sorry, guys, I made that up. Wow. <laughs> I know, I know. Who, who said... Oh. Already hit home as I thought I'd made up a funny thing, and then Scott said people have had so much time during quarantine to to do that, and I'm like, yeah, I thought of that during quarantine. <laughs> I, I, I also love how we both argued like, no, we didn't say fake, we said we both said real, and then we basically both put ourselves out of a point there. Scott, you're still you're still winning, you're still winning going into final two. R dash monks looking at beer. This is pictures of monks staring at beer, both paintings and real life. I mean, are there that many examples of this that you can fill an entire Reddit thread with it? I mean, monks uh, staring at beer. Go to Jimmy. I think it's your turn to go first. Oh, uh, okay. So, um, my first thought was, is like, are monks really? going to be around beer that often to be perplexed by it or is it more of a situation where they're looking at it and going like man i really wish i could drink that but either way i think it's real it's going real scott where's your head at i mean i was going to say real but now that he said real i'm, I'm tempted to say fake should i stick with your guts i'm sticking with my gut i'm going real is it real or fake it's real. Well done, guys. All right. So going into the last one, Jimmy, I don't think you can win. I, I can tie. Let me check. This. Yes, you can tie. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, so it's all, it's all or nothing. As we go into r dash subreddit simulator. Humans what? don't post on this, Fred. Instead, it's all bots commenting, and humans just upvote or downvote. Scott, is that real or fake? So humans are voting, upvoting on a bot, on something a bot is talking about? What? I'm, I'm so still confused. Only, only bots comment, and humans just upvote or downvote. Hmm, fake. I'm going to go fake. There you go, fake. Jimmy? Um, I'm going to say real, but basically just because I believe the internet is that fucking weird. Oh, is it real or fake? It is real. Jimmy, cool. you have tied it up. Uh, I don't have a tiebreaker. Well, it's so. a to prepare. That, that was very much failure to prepare. So it's just going to have to be a draw, guys. I'm so sorry. Uh, there will be a rematch on Raw. Next uh, week, obviously. Yeah, yeah, because I... Yeah, just between you two, because I'm going to go back to my husband in Japan. I was going to say, Nathan is an official host. He just attacked the official host after he got sprayed in the eyes and stole his shirt before he did the show. <laughs> So, I mean, I could just come up with a tiebreak off the top of my head, but I'm not going to. I'm going to chicken out. 
and let you guys fight amongst yourselves. Uh, you, you realize that this is the podcast equivalent of blue balls that you're giving us here. Yes, that's, that's what I'm doing. That's, that is what I am doing. Or am I? Do you want me to do a tiebreaker? I, I feel like Please not do. only would me and Scott feel better, but I think the audience would feel better knowing that there's a, de- a definite winner. Okay, okay, okay. Guys, in front of me, there is a, a ready-mixed can of Gordon's gin and tonic. For fuck's sake. Is this gin and tonic diet, Parma Violet, or normal? And Scott, I'm going to go to you first. I know, fuck all of it, Jen. Uh, so I'll go Parma Violet. Jimmy? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say diet. Congratulations, Jimmy, you have won. Yes! Vindication! Vindication. Palmer Violet Scott, what's wrong with you? I don't know if fuck all of it, Jen. I did I, I clearly know something about Reddit threads. Just enough to tie with Jimmy for fuck's sake. I oh. feel robbed. Unfortunately, Scott, you could have taken the draw, but instead you're taking the L. Uh, and we're about to take the L by reviewing Slammiversary. So I'm hey. going to throw it back to you, Jimmy. That is correct. My trusted colleague, Nathan Greenaway, we are about to take the L on on wrestling, really. I mean, this, this week has been rough for everybody, but... Uh, it it was uh, no more rougher than it was uh, at Slammiversary in the uh, the quiet, hallowed halls of the new Impact Zone, or whatever the fuck they're calling this place. Um, and this is my yearly check-in with Impact Wrestling, and I go to check in and see what they're doing. Uh, interesting show, to say the least, and we're going to dive into every single bit of it. Uh, the show opens up with uh, the Rascals, uh, who announced that they were going to be doing uh, an open challenge to start the show off because they didn't want to sit around just getting high anymore, cutting that 70s show style promos. Um, and uh, Alex Shelley and Chris Saban, the Motor City Machine Guns, answered the open challenge. And in about 14 minutes and 20 seconds, the Motor City Machine Guns take the win by defeating the Rascals. Uh, good to see Motor City Machine Guns back. Um, I, I just, I'm going to go to uh, Scott for a Scott. Um, how did that loss feel? Also, um, Motor City Machine Guns are back. How do you feel about it? I'm, I'm unsure which loss you were referring to. Are you talking about this loss or the fact that myself and Paul, as part of a best of three, were doing made predictions for this, and Paul beat me in this one by one. And it was so close to having to go to tiebreakers that if it went to tiebreakers, I would have won. So, you know, this has been a one kick in the balls after another for me this week. But unlike you, seemingly, I really enjoyed Slammiversary because I've really been I've been checking in on Impact the last few weeks. I've really, I was excited for the show. I've started to see the Machine Guns. I've heard rumours that they were coming back. I think everybody assumed that Gallows and Anderson were going to be the tag team that they answered this challenge. I think it's good that it was Machine Guns because they're a, their style is more similar to the Rascals. The Rascals actually had moments where they, like they could have won. And I think because I think if Gallows and Anderson came out, there was no way you could buy the Rascals winning. But the, the Rascals got a good match with the Machine Guns. And I really like that finisher because I don't think I've ever actually seen them use that before, at least not in their original TNA run. Uh, yeah, I, I, this match, I mean, 
for me, just seeing the Motor City Machine Guns come back was uh, was reason enough to like this match, and it helped that it was good. So, uh, Nathan, what did you think? Yeah, I thought this match was really good. Uh, I don't have that much nostalgia for the Motor City Machine Guns, but I enjoy uh, Alex Shelley, and uh, I thought this match was really good. It was a hot way to open the show. I think we're probably going to talk about it more as the show goes on, but the the absolute lack of crowds and not even any planted people was a bit jarring at first, but this was still uh, a hot opener. Uh, probably the right decision on uh, considering what the Motor City Machine Guns went on to do on Impact uh, this week on the actual television show. Are we discussing that? Uh, let's discuss that after the tag team title match. I, I feel like that might be a okay. little bit easier to talk about then. Oh, um, very good, very great way to open the show, and I think the Rascals are getting better. I've not seen them much lately because I've not been checking out Impact, but uh, every time I do seem to see them, they're improving in big ways. So they're pro- possibly ones to watch for the future. Absolutely. Um, Moose! Moose! took on Tommy Dreamer in an old, old school rules match for the unsanctioned TNA World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, he took on Tommy Dreamer and he defeated him in 11 minutes and 20 seconds. Um, I am not going to lie. I missed this match because my completely legal way of uh, purchasing and watching this pay-per-view, which I totally did, um, did not quite work for me until middle of the next match. So I totally missed this and didn't have a chance to go back and watch it. So I'm going to start off with Scott. Scott, uh, inform the people who may not watch Impact about what's going on with this TNA World Heavyweight Championship, the fact that it's unsanctioned, and then talk about your feelings on this Tommy Dreamer versus Moose match. Yeah, so uh, Moose, I think in the, apparently in the lead up to that, TNA, there's no place like Bob, I'm sure they were planning on doing. They had Moose to himself, Mr. Impact, he's taking on four TNA legends. According to him at that TNA show, they would have had a King of the Bounty match for that belt, which he would have won. But they just had him find the belt and declare himself the champion after like Tessa wasn't able to appear on television. And so he's just been defending it, even though it's not a sanctioned belt. And Josh Matthews just like sounds like his head's going to explode every week when he tries to explain, like, he's not a champion. This is not a championship match. Like, he's defending it against Hernandez, against Suicide, and people like that. And he's actually been one of the best parts of Impact like TV week to week, declaring himself like the, the TNA World Champion. And the redesign they did this on this night of the belt, they're having a white strap. is is phenomenal, I think, because a white strap title is like above most other titles, in my opinion, because a white strap just looks so right on most championships, like the original IC and stuff like that. The, the issue with, with this match was that much as I like Tommy Dreamer, this match would have been a lot better if, if I at any moment thought Tommy Dreamer could win. And uh, I didn't think he could. And it was around this match I started getting used to the, the no fans, but it did take me a couple of matches to get back. It's like, especially given that more time Machine Guns winning was a big deal and that deserved a, a reaction. And obviously it wasn't able to get that because there were no fans. Uh, but I really enjoyed Mrs. Run. And I like the fact that he's continuing on and I was expecting like one of the rumored returns to like confront him after the match, but we had to wait till impact this week to get that. And uh, Nathan, your thoughts on the unsanctioned TNA World Heavyweight Championship match? Yeah, I thought it was as good as it could be given Tommy Dreamer isn't at 
the peak of his powers, uh, shall we say, I think Moose is, he's definitely going to be a huge star in the industry if he wants to be or if he wants to stay in Impact. And that's no, let's not be having to go at Impact, but uh, he, he can easily go beyond them if he wants to, to WWE or AEW or across to Japan if he wants. Uh, but Tommy Dreamer, I never thought he was going to win. Uh, it probably wasn't quite as hardcore as I was expecting it to be, but uh, I think they did as good as they could. And ironically, this is more extreme than all of Extreme Rules. Mm-hmm. Other than this, no, no one lost an eye. So. And, and this is basically, if, you, if you're not a fan of the FTW storyline with Brian Cage, and you want to see how it could be done better, watch Miss yeah, definitely. But I've always good. Uh, Mr. EC3, uh, so that's going to be exciting. And I just like I think Moose. He looks. He looks the part. His entrance is awesome, uh, and everything he does is good. It is good. I just thought the ending was a little bit weak. Mm-hmm. Even though they had the thumbtacks, it was just a bit of a weird way. There was no big slam onto them or anything. And then it was just over with a spear after everything. But uh, I think the whole point of this match was to show that Moose is a level above Tommy Dreamer. And they definitely achieved that. So, did its job. I mean, they did have that spot. The, uh, him coming off the ropes and getting caught with a cutter on the uh, on the, uh, the trash can, which, had, which gave me like flashbacks to like Christian Orton when they did that spot on the steel steps. Back in the day, uh, and I joked with Paul when I talked to him about this. Like, Moose does not learn his lesson because, like, two or three times this match he went off the top and he got caught every single time. Like, just stop doing it. Yeah, and, and Tommy Dreamer came out with a, a Moose sucks eggs shirt on, which apparently is a <laughs> nod to Terry Funk for one of his matches with Dusty Rhodes back in the day. Uh, yep, but that's just that's just a funny insult as well. I think I think it needs to be brought back a hundred percent. I think that we need to just be like, you You can go suck an egg. Oh, yeah, you can suck an egg. <laughs> um, next up was a gauntlet for the gold match uh, to determine the number one contender for the Impact Knockouts Championship. Uh, that title will be defended later on in the evening. But for now, we're going to be determining a new number one contender. Uh, and after... Aisha Edwards, Havoc, John E. Bravo coming out uh, dressed as Taya Valkyrie and Rosemary in that order. Uh, Katie Forbes, Kira Hogan, Kimberly, Nevaeh, Madison Ray, Rosemary, Susie, and Tasha Steeles. Kylie Ray won by defeating the actual Taya Valkyrie in about 19 minutes and 20 seconds. Kylie Ray is your new number one contender for the Impact Knockouts Championship. Um, and uh, we can talk more about the implications of this after the knockouts championship match later on. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I thought this was uh, functional. It was fine. It worked out great. Uh, I think uh, Kylie Ray came out looking uh, really polished and really good. A um, couple shortcomings throughout, but uh, let me know what you guys thought. Uh, going to Nathan first. Kylie Ray winning the gauntlet for the gold match. Yeah, I thought it was fun. Uh, there was some good stuff in there. There was the weird bit before the match where... Uh, Ty Valkyrie and Rosemary went up to uh, what's his what's his name? Johnny Bravo. That's it. Oh, and they were like, don't forget, Ty Valkyrie needs to win. Uh, which was 
which is weird, <laughs> like because it was just so poorly acted as much as anything. But uh, I thought the match was serviceable. It was it was good. It was probably the right decision as well. They're telling some good stories. Uh, Kylie Ray is is over, and uh, she's liked by by the fans on Impact. She's doing good stuff. Uh, yeah, uh, I think it did what it was supposed to do. I'm not sure I could tell you much of what happened in the middle of the match from memory, but I think it was the right winner. For sure, for sure. Scott, do you agree? Yeah, in a sense. Yeah. To me, this is the weakest match on the show because I think it needs one or two key, more key spots for it to really stand out, like one or two like like really memorable eliminations or like spots when it came down to the final two to really make this stand out, because not a lot happened. And I thought it was weird, because Susie, being the alter ego, Sue Young, she comes out, does this, like, does this, like keep music and just waves at everybody. Like, I was determined she was going to win, because I thought she was going to, like, get taken out, and then she'd come back out earlier as Sue Young, because we haven't seen Sue Young in a long time. But, like, I don't know, against Kyrie winning, because she's a baby face, and she's really solid. And it's weird because a lot of people in the lead up to this thought the knockout side titles were going to come back because all these women seem to be pairing off into teams like Nevaeh and Havoc and Tasha Seals and Kier Hogan forming these weird friendships. And then they didn't do that, but then the commentators have openly acknowledged the rumours of the tag titles coming back. So maybe because they didn't the date for Bound for Glory, maybe at Bound for Glory they're going to bring them back. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind not, I wouldn't mind seeing them because in WWE they're finally doing stuff like properly with the women's tag belt, so I don't see why Impact can't do it. Yeah, yeah, and I'm definitely looking forward to uh, the match that uh, is going to come out of this, and we'll discuss that a little later on. But right now, it is time for what, uh, at this point, I thought was match of the night, uh, and I definitely thought it could have used a few more minutes. The 10-minute singles match for the Impact X Division Championship, Chris Bay defeated Willie Mack, the champion at the time. Like I said, it only went 10 minutes. I would have watched this match go for another 10. Easy. I thought this match was uh, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Chris Bay, Willie Mack really went out there and uh, kind of killed it, uh, in my opinion. So, um, Scott, what did you think of the uh, X Division Championship match? I, I would agree with you. Like, strong contender for match of the night. Like, they just went out there. I like the fact that they kind of went done away with the weight limits on this. And you get see people like Willie Mack and Chris Bay, who are so vastly different, get to like just go at it. You had like the sunset flip barrel bomb from Chris Bay and the uh, ultimate finesse. He calls it the uh, the springboard famous that he uses is really cool. And I like that he's now called it the best division or something like that. And now that he's the champion, and it's weird because he has a storyline with Johnny Swinger leading up to this, where Johnny Swinger was kind of helping him earn this opportunity, and then. Basically, Johnny Swinger got banned from ringside and then he got allowed to come back. Then he overheard Chris Bay talking about how he was just using Johnny Swinger to Johnny Swinger and said, like, like, you're on your own at Slammiversary. And then, like, Chris Bay just wins the title on his own, so just showing that he didn't need Johnny Swinger all along, which is pretty weird. But, but from what I understand, Chris Bay's still in his early 20s, so I think it's a clear sign to see big things in him by putting the exhibition title on him. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, uh, Nathan, uh, were you as uh, enthralled by the X Division Championship match as we were? Yeah, for me, this is uh, probably a match of the night. Uh, I'd have to agree that I think it deserved a little bit more time, but I think uh, uh, Willie Mack and Chris Bay went out and 
and killed it. And the Johnny Swinger thing, because they had obviously the video packages beforehand explaining everything, was a little bit weird that they then kind of didn't come to anything. But uh, it was great to kind of just see a match get kind of uh, a fair finish uh, and like, a clean finish and a new champion crowned. And they had a rematch on Impact TV, which again probably wasn't as good as this match. I don't know, Scott, if you'd agree with that. but uh, I'd agree. Yeah, probably it wasn't as strong, but it, again, this was just it's just a killer match. It was just two guys uh, going out there, given some time, and told to told to kill it on pay per view, and they certainly did that and lived up to it. And I think it was probably the right result as well. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it was uh, Chris. I mean, having not watched uh, a lot of Impact over the last few years, I like Chris Bay a lot, and uh, I like Willie Mack plenty. Uh, but it just feels like it's a uh, the whole match sort of felt like it was Chris Bay's time. Uh, so definitely the right decision. Was it here where um, the former Heath Slater came out, or was it before this? I think it, was, I think it may have been not long after the gauntlet match. Uh, I'm so fuzzy as to where exactly it was, but it did like the commentators to acknowledge him at first because their backs were turned, and then just turn around and, like, and see Heath is randomly wandering out there. Yeah, I thought that was like a clever little way to do it too. There's no one around the ringside. So no one's going to be able to like tip off commentary that he's coming in. Uh, then he comes in and says that he's got here in impact to make an impact. And uh, who was it that he got interrupted by? Hey, Regine. I think he's still there. He's, he's kind of a, he's very much uh, almost a jobber. I think in impact at the moment, he's kind of been complaining that he's been overlooked by everybody. So, the fact that Keith Lee is coming in and obviously trying to insinuate that he should be in the for, in the, the main event, I think it makes sense that Renji would come out like all this. Another guy just coming in and going to get looked at before me. Uh, yes, yeah, so, and then uh, they just, you know, fought each other a little bit, and then uh, you see Heath Slater go to the back. Uh, what's it, Heath Miller now? Yeah, I think that's what he's been referred to on the end. I think in terms of impact, it's just Heath. Just Heath, yeah. He popped up on TV, and they then they did the the thing where the security guards wouldn't let him in, and he was like, "What's your name, Heath?" And they're like, "Heath what?" And, uh, uh, like, "What's your surname?" And Heath was like, oh, "I'm not allowed to use it anymore. It's just Heath." Oh, so he's just he's essentially a Heath bar. Um, Heath, <laughs> it's weird. Like, come up with something new. Him, him and his toffee filling won't be allowed into the impact zone apparently for a little while because apparently he needs this job because he's got kids. Uh, there was a little uh, interaction uh, on Slammiversary where Rhino and Heath uh, sort of talked and then he got uh, removed from the building uh, because of uh, COVID restrictions. Uh, they can't just be having random people show up because that would be fucking insanity. Um, <laughs> so we'll see what they do with that moving forward. Uh, speaking of moving forward, the North, uh, all ego, Ethan page and Josh Alexander took on and defeated Ken Shamrock and Sammy Callahan for the impact tag team championships. This match goes about 16 minutes. Um, being a big fan of a uh, tag team wrestling myself, this was like second or third on the list of uh, match of the night contenders for me. I really, really enjoyed this match a lot. The North is as good as people say that they are. But uh, Ken Shamrock needs to go home and sit in a lazy boy because he looked fucking lost in this match a few minutes into it. Nathan, talk us through your thoughts of the uh, tag team championship match. Yeah, I thought it was great. And North have absolutely killed it in their in their title reign. The 
uh, at the time of this match was was it over well over a year? Uh, yeah, I think yeah, it was well, well over a year by this point. Uh, as you'll find out after the match, it's it's no longer going on. Uh, they looked great. Sammy Callahan looked great. Ken Shamrock looked like. You know, when it was like when Kurt Angle started wrestling with Dodder last time, you're like, oh, God, does he know where he is? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's like he accidentally got involved in a match, and uh, <laughs> which I'm sure Ken Shamrock has accidentally got in plenty of fights, but he looked very lost at times. He wasn't really selling things either. Like there's some uh, shoulders in the corner where that he was just like standing there and just being like, you just carry on, <laughs> you do your thing and I'll tag out in a minute. He uh, literally, uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but he literally threw his hands up at one point. Uh, there was a spot where Sammy Callahan knocked, uh, I think it was Josh Alexander out of the ring. Ethan Page was already outside the ring and Ken Shamrock, there's a shot of him just standing there and he throws his hands up. Like I thought this was supposed to be done by now. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was some still, there was some cool spots in there. Like seeing Ken Shamrock, Put on the put on the ankle lock is always fun for a bit of nostalgia for the Attitude Era, and the match was perfectly good. Sammy Callahan, I think, worked his ass off to try and keep Ken Shamrock. Like he had to like, I don't know it was Ken Shamrock. Maybe he was on day release or something. But like, <laughs> just, I have no idea. Sammy Callahan was just like, look after this guy. But like, it was just. But the North, the North looked looked great, looked impressive, and uh, got a good win. I'm glad Callahan and Shamrock didn't win the titles. I don't think we need to see Ken Shamrock do much more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Scott, uh, do you uh, echo the sentiments of one Mr. Greenaway, or did you think that this match was uh, seven stars, top of the line, uh, Tokyo Dome level, uh, excellent? Well, I think it would have been had Ken Shamrock not been in it, or at least been a bit competent, because Gallahan was good. The North are solid as a team. But Shamrock really dragged us down. And what really killed this for me was the fact that I had bought into the years of cynicism of watching singles wrestlers win tie titles that I predicted these two to win while Paul made the smart choice and went with the North. And that's what inevitably swung our predictions. So I think in the end, I kind of deserve to lose that one for putting my faith in confused Ken Shamrock, who... The only time he didn't look confused is when he had the ankle locked in because it seems to be the only move that he has. He's absolutely still not allowed to apply. Because like, there's a moment where he he's going to dive to the outside, but I think he's moved a bit too slowly. So Ethan Page has already moved Josh Alexander out of the way by the time he's just, he's about to dive. So it just looks like he sees no one there but dove anyway. And it was just so stupid. Like What I like about the North is that when their tag finish, it's not the one that used to win here, but they've got one uh, that... Josh Alexander lifts him up and kind of like he's still hitting with like a burning hammer and then he flips him over, Paige catches him into a spine buster. And it's a solid finisher and it's one of the ones I've, I think that you look at it like you believe that as a finisher because you look at it first, there's no conceivable way to counter it. Or at least I thought that until we got to impact. <laughs> <laughs> you were making such a convincing case and then you said until they got to impact. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I like the North a lot. Uh, and obviously at the end of the match, um, they were talking about how they're the greatest team in impact. Uh, they've held the titles for over a year. They've beaten everybody. And then just when they said that the double <gasps> of the motor city machine guns happened and they walked out and said, 
hey, uh, you know, you you guys haven't beaten us, and on Tuesday we're gonna beat you. And then on Tuesday they beat them. Uh, therefore, the North are no longer the Impact Tag Team Champions, and the Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Saban now are. Um, I guess that's if you you were gonna have them win the titles, that's uh, have the the North lose the titles rather. Uh, after a year, they should lose to somebody with a little bit more prestige behind the name uh, than just two random singles wrestlers thrown together. Um, but do we think that maybe the North will be taking a little bit of a leave of absence now and possibly heading over to a uh, sort of more gold and black brand possibly to uh, do battle with uh, someone who likes to follow the rules, a team possibly. Uh, what do you guys think? No, I, I, I can't see it. Cause I think they seem They've been in part of impact, a big part of impact for the last year, especially as tag champs. I don't think they're going anywhere. And it did like it didn't seem like entirely that they were saying like, oh, like here's some mercy, but what you really should do is tune in to impact, like or tune into our weekly show. They did it in a way on on where they try to keep this going by giving you enough intrigue to hopefully tune into impact. Like for instance, this tag title match. And like I said, like the machine guns found a way to counter that like tag finisher in order to pull out the win and like that's how you should have a, a title reign like the north end with such like a convincing way and like somebody found the, the key to like stopping the north but i definitely think with like them coming in and like gals and anderson coming in there's still a lot the north can do as part of impact like i could actually even see the machine guns actually dropping the belts back to the north at some point yeah i think the machine guns uh i I don't know how long they're going to be in impact at all. Like, I don't know if Alex Shelley, is is he still doing stuff down at NXT? Because I know that he was coaching at the Performance Center and things like that. Um, so I don't know how, what sort of contracts they've, they've signed. Um, I, don't, I can't see the North leaving impact at the moment. I don't think they would go to AEW because I think that tag division is so stacked in AEW. You've got so many good teams that don't know where they'd fit in or what they would do uh nxt i think is is perhaps a more realistic option if they were to leave impact but i think there's got to be exciting if you're the north you've got to be excited to get to tie up with the good brothers motor city machine guns a little bit more as well like heath slater and rhino if they're going to reunite that's not a bad bad team to be in the ring with either like it's exciting times. I think Impact would want to cling on to the stars that they've got, as well as just bringing in some old WWE guys uh, as well. So hopefully they stick around. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, next up uh, is the singles match for the Impact Knockouts Championship. The champion, Thick Mama Pump, Jordan Grace, took on the virtuosa, Deanna Perrazzo. Uh, and Deanna Perrazzo comes away with the victory by submission in a little over 15 minutes. Um, I was surprised by this. I'm a huge, huge Jordan Grace fan, and I followed Deanna Perrazzo a little bit o- over the years. Um, Jordan Grace uh, obviously was uh, a member of the Pro Wrestling Magic roster. She was our women's champion for a long time. Recently showed up uh, during our uh, Royal Rumble type situation at the uh, Chad Adams Memorial Rumble this year on the show Full House. Go check that out over on the YouTube, youtube.com forward slash pro wrestling magic. Got to get that in. But uh, yeah, Jordan uh, looked great in this match. So did Deanna Perrazzo. I feel like if this match had even gone 
a couple minutes more or even a couple minutes less, uh, it could have still been just as good as it was. Um, yeah, I, although I'm a little biased, I thought this match was great. Um, Scott, what did you think of the uh, Knockouts Championship match? Like I said, I've, I've struggled to choose between this and the X Division match for which one I liked better. Uh-huh. I think they're both two of the strongest matches on the show. They've done everything they can basically to make Deanna look like a credible threat since the moment she came in. Because like Grace won the title from Taya Valkyrie and in her longest reign, her being the longest reign knockouts champion. And then after Taya got a rematch and lost, they immediately had Deanna Brazo come out and basically attack Jordan Grace and like from the word go, she's been a threat. And so you really wanted to see this match. I mean, George Grace already won points in my book for just that gear that she wore. I mean, come on. And <laughs> I'm a very big fan. Of, I'm a big fan of Jordan Grace. And it was a really fun match. It was basically a great clash of technical wrestling and like brute strength. And the finish that Jennifer Brazilian lured over Jordan Grace and that she made her submit, but she had to make her verbally submit as well. She had to get Jordan Grace to verbally give up her championship, and I look forward to seeing where Diona Perazzo versus Kyla Ray at some point. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I'm really looking forward to that match as well. Uh, Nathan, what did you think of this match and the uh, the implications of the following match uh, with uh, Kyla Ray? Yeah, just kind of echoing what you guys just said. I thought this match was really, really good. Uh, second just behind the X Division match, uh, I'd have to agree. Uh, as well, I think Diona Peraza needed this match. She needed this match to be good after, obviously, the way that she left uh, WWE and NXT. Uh, she was saying that she doesn't think she got the chances she deserves and everything like that. And I think she backed that up in this match. I think she had a great match with Jordan Grace. It would be hard to have a bad match with Jordan Grace. I know that, but I think Peraza definitely uh, did her part and showed that maybe she should have been given more of a chance, but She's going to get a chance to shine now with the big belt in in Impact. I think the match with Kylie Ray will be good. And there's a lot of storytelling uh, to be done. Like, you could easily put Valkyrie back up there as well. Or someone like, I think, Kira Hogan as well is still around in Impact. And uh, there's a lot, a lot, of, lot of potential. I think Peraza already backed up her words uh, after leaving WWE, though. And great match. Go out of your way to watch it. Yeah, for sure. If there, I think between this and the X Division match, uh, there's already two contenders for if you have the time to watch one of them, watch either one. Um, uh, I don't know. For, for me, uh, uh, commentary on this show was kind of abysmal the entire time. Uh, but Don Callis said something, I believe it was during this match when Deanna Peraza was making her entrance, when he said, we've both done our time at the Stanford Supermax. And I mm-hmm. thought that line was uh, very, very funny. Um Big ups to Don Callis for uh, making that joke. Uh, wasn't hitting you over the head uh, like JR likes to. Every single week, we get it. You're upset. Uh, deal with it. You're getting paid a shitload of money to be on another program now every week. Just sort of be happy about that. Uh, but yeah, this match was uh, pretty great. Um, and actually, commentary was dreadful. Actually, Don, she was in Orlando at Full Sail. So she wasn't even in Sam. Yeah. Fucking Mark. <laughs> Fucking Mark. Um, Next up uh, is the big uh, four-way elimination match for the Impact World Championship, the vacant Impact World Championship, because, um, well, the person who last held it couldn't even be bothered to cut a promo, 
let alone show up to wrestle. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, things were up in the air before um, this match uh, because of that that open spot in the four way. A lot of people were like, "Oh, I wonder who it's going to be. Is it going to be EC3 or is it going to be this person or this person?" There's a lot of stuff up in the air, um, and it ended up being Rich Swan, who was seemingly injured a little bit earlier on in the evening uh, in a backstage interview, but then he came out, he was just fine. Uh, but then not to be outdone, uh, dollar store, uh, Daniel Bryan, Eric Young made his return to the impact zone, uh, making this a five way elimination match. And in about 24 and a half minutes, Eddie Edwards, uh, defeated Ace Austin, Trey, Rich Swan, and Eric Young to become brand new impact world champion. Uh, I believe for the second time, mm-hmm. uh, I was actually thinking that Ace Austin maybe was going to come away with this uh, or possibly even Trey. I didn't think they were going to give it back to Eddie Edwards. Uh, I think they could have cut a few minutes off of this match. Uh, probably would have done a little bit better. Um, and uh, I was a little uh, underwhelmed by the return of Eric Eric Young just because, I don't know, I've never really been too uh, bothered by Eric Young. But uh, good to see Rich Swan back and making moves. Uh, I've hung out with Rich, uh, Rich Swan once or twice and a uh, great guy. Good to see him back out there. Uh, hopefully he's not re-injured after what took place during this match. Nathan, tell me, please, about your uh, feelings on the main event here. I think lackluster is the word that springs to mind. Uh, for some reason, this just didn't... It never felt like it got into into full gear. Or under, other than the Canadian Destroyer on the outside, that was awesome. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, I was underwhelmed by Eric Young coming out just because I don't I don't have the nostalgia in TNA for Eric Young so I just kind of know him as the guy from Sanity so I was a bit like ugh really uh Rich Swan as well like I'm sure as Jimmy said he's a great guy but I was like oh really Rich Swan they got no one better <laughs> and uh, or, or not better because it's a great wrestler but no one like bigger and uh I just don't think this ever really fully got going but it was still it was a good it was a good main event. Eddie Edwards didn't seem like the most interesting choice to me uh, as a winner. I think I agree that Ace Austin uh, would have probably been a more perhaps interesting option going forward. He would have become the youngest ever uh, Impact World Champion or TNA World Champion. He kind of hey, he had uh, Madman Fulton on the outside as well doing some cool stuff. But it was just that weird bit where the ref was like, "If he doesn't go, I'm going to disqualify you." Uh, which went on for what felt like days. Yeah. Like, yeah. Since we having that exchange. But there was still some good stuff in this match. I think everyone has seen the GIF or the video of the Canadian Destroyer on the outside uh, a million a million times. Everyone has retweeted it. Uh, I just think it was just... I just think it, it felt like there was more this match could have given than what we actually got. And credit to Eric Young for carrying on because it looked like he got a nasty cut above one of his eyes at one point. Uh, he... he and uh, he kept going. But I think a little bit disappointed in it, but it was still it was still okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I like I said, I think that this match could have done a little bit better being under twenty minutes, but that's just me. Uh, Scott, what did you think of the uh, main event here? The phrase "what a tangled web we weave" is built for how we got to this match in the first place. Because for those who aren't aware, it was meant to be a triple threat. Michael Elgin versus Tesla Blanchard versus Eddie Edwards back at Rebellion. 
and then that paper you didn't have them because of the pandemic, so they put it across two episodes of Impact, then Tessa and Michael, Tessa, I think Eddie Edwards also couldn't get to that taping, so they didn't have that match, and then they had a tournament to clear a new number one contender, which Ace Austin won, but Trey got taken out by a mystery assailant and didn't get a proper chance, which was, was later revealed to be Madman Fulton. Basically the idea is that they were going to have a five-way Elgin, Ballanchard, Edwards, Ace Austin, Trey, and then obviously Tessa couldn't be asked to defend the belt and also wouldn't give it back for less than $150,000. So they had to get a new belt, which looks better in my opinion. Elgin, best not talk about him. And I like the fact that they built up as a four-way and then with Eric Young, they made it a five-way, which was originally supposed to be. And also I like the fake out with, with Swan, because like, he's been injured for most of the year, but before he went out, he had a really good showing in a, a gauntlet match that they had on episode Impact. So it shows that they have faith in him as a potential main eventer at some point. But so they brought him back as kind of a swerve because they like we never said that the former Impact Show champion would show up in this match. We said he could show up. We never said he would. And then you have a former Impact World Champion show up. And Eric Young, I think they were smart not to go ECC. He was too obvious a choice to come back and immediately win the title. Uh, I like the fact that they're letting Eric Young just probably be mental, be what he should have been when Sanity got called up and that he took out Rich One. I think the logic behind Eric if but the logic behind Eddie Edwards winning from what I've seen is they wanted a feel good ending to the show by having a face win the belt and all he's promised to defend the belt like on a weekly basis. Like he's got a title defence next week against Trey. And I think it's the case because he acknowledged in his promo on this week's impact he said it's actually been five months since this title was defended. And so I think the case of they want a fighting champion, they want a face champion, they make up for remove the stink of what Tess has done to that belt and well, I think if you want to do that, do eight way areas. I do think Ace Austin will be world champion within a year. And I think, given the circumstances, you can understand why they didn't do it here any other night. Under any other circumstances, they would have put on Ace Austin. But I think they had to give it to Eddie. And I actually think somehow they're going to do a thing where they're going to have that TNA belt versus this belt winner takes on. That's how they, they stop this whole like unsanctioned TNA champion thing. They have like, the undisputed impact champion. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully, because uh, I don't know how much longer they can keep that uh, unsanctioned heavyweight championship going. Nathan, um, with uh, like, like you said, Eddie Edwards probably wasn't the best choice. Um, I I honestly thought that there was more story maybe with Ace Austin and Trey, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think uh, if if it if you had your choice, who would you have had come out uh, as the surprise entrant? Ooh, uh, I think I think it's Scott says like EC3 is perhaps too obvious to, to go for because I feel like if it's EC3 you then have to have EC3 win unless mm-hmm. you tell a great story for why he doesn't win so Eric Young he does spring to mind as the logical choice because you can beat Eric Young and it doesn't feel like such a huge kind of letdown, I guess, is the way that I, w- I would kind of say it. Uh, so I think if you're going to put a title straight on EC3, you go for EC3, but they've obviously got other plans with him because EC3 came out and attacked Moose uh, this this week. Like, So I think Eric King is really the only person they could have done unless 
like there was there was vague rumors of them start re-signing Kurt Angle at one point, but I think that's probably just the internet going a bit mad. Uh, so I think Eric King is really the only choice, unless they were going to give the title straight to EC3. Yeah, or they just yeah. a fucking Sting show up. Yes. Oh Jesus! Yeah, Joker Sting would show up. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, yeah, of course, after Eddie Edwards wins, uh, the Good Brothers find their way to the ring, um, and they are officially there in Impact. Um, they have uh, a brief stare down with uh, Eddie Edwards, Ace Austin, I think Madman Fulton, um, and then uh, the Good Brothers turn and attack Ace Austin and Madman Fulton. They they run for the hills. They stand with Eddie Edwards. Uh, and then we see a brief shot of EC3 throwing a drink at a wall, and we fade to black on the three symbol that was on the wall. Um, and that's all I know. I didn't watch Impact this week. Um, so, I mean, am I missing anything from maybe this week's Impact that would help fill that in other than uh, EC3 attacking Moose? Uh, the Good Brothers came out and cut a pretty decent promo. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have the first match next week. Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty good. Heath showed up, obviously again. Um, they keep showing like in video packages Maria Kanellis and Mike uh, and uh, Mike Bennett. So I don't. I presume they're gonna show up at some point. Yeah, I mean they're hmm. gonna be at Talking Shopamania, so I'm sure that a lot of the same people are gonna be on that show. I kind of hope Impact doesn't just become the home of all the people that got cut in April of 2020. Yeah, well, but, but they're obviously there for to be nabbed up, and they're all young and good talent. It's not like in the old days where, like, 46-year-old whoever would just show up after their WWE deal expires. These are all kind of people that could still do something. Uh, I'm looking forward to what the Good Brothers do. Uh, yeah. I, I think that it's different from when it was back in the day because, well, again, they're not just saying just anybody. They're saying people who probably had a lot more to offer and they're taking advantage of it. Like, Diana Prado clearly had a lot to offer and now she's the uh, and now she's the, the women's champion. Uh, Good Brothers definitely had a lot more they could offer and they're probably going to be going between this and and uh, Japan. EC3 is a ready-made main eventer and they're taking advantage of that. I also like, I like the fact that, because EC3's been doing these promos, like people have seen on Twitter, the whole control your narrative thing, and he's had that backdrop, and he took the glass, because they've been doing these vignettes of somebody with a glass of, like, whiskey or whatever, watching these news reports, talk, warning of a former world champion coming, so he took that glass and threw it against the wall, and, like, because it made you think, well, so EC3's not going to show up in impact, and then it shows you him right at the end, and that's your hook, I think your cliffhanger almost, to turn into impact to see if he shows up again. Even though he shows up on Impact, he doesn't do that much. So the thing with EC3 is they're not just immediately bringing him back and throwing him right into a program or, oh, here's EC3, he's the champion now. It's EC3's here, but why is EC3 here? Because he keeps saying, oh, EC3's here, but he doesn't, he doesn't officially work here. So they're trying to tell you the story of ec coming back, but they don't know why he's back. All right, well, uh, you know, for, for some... Uh, it was plenty of a reason to check out Impact uh, every Tuesday or whatever day of the fucking week they're on. Um, for me, this was, you know, not the best anniversary, not the worst. Uh, this, uh, There was a lot to like here. There was a lot more 
to not like. Uh, the fact that I didn't go back and check out the thing that I missed. I mean, for me, at least, that speaks volumes. Uh, obviously, we all seem to enjoy this more than we uh, enjoyed a lot of the horror show at Extreme Rules. Mm-hmm. Um, but that wasn't very difficult because, you know, I mean, they kind of shit the bed on that one. Hopefully, SummerSlam is better. Hopefully, uh, what's next for Slam, uh, for Impact? Bound for Glory? Bound for Glory, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so Bound for Glory is their biggest show of the year, so hopefully that one's going to be great for them as well. Uh, for the first time in a long time, people are talking about Impact. That's a good thing. Um, the viewing figures are kind of going the way that they're going for certain shows. Wrestling is looking interesting, as, as it always is. Um, so in the uh, interest of fairness, the, uh, the man who lost the game tonight, Scott McCloud, Please uh, tell the people what you got going on and uh, any other competitions that you're planning on losing. <laughs> well, you want to talk competitions, you can tell you the competitions that I've won. Um, the Rogue Opinions Backdale, all the quizzes that I've, I've won and the quiz I plan on winning whenever you have your quiz prepared, Jimmy. Uh, you can check me out on Twitter. It's called McLean's 86 and my other podcast. Go on Paul's Rambling Podcast at SP Rambling. By the time this is up, our recent episode should be up where basically it's an hour and a half of being Paul who, who Paul who religiously watches Empire and has since like late last year and me who's really gotten back into it in the last few weeks. It's an hour and a half of us just basically gushing about how much we liked Slammiverse. I mean, we recognise that also the Gauntlet match and the best match were pretty weak, but other than that, it's just basically an hour and a bit of us talking about how great Slammiverse was and how excited we are about Impact going forward. And uh, coming soon, hopefully I should eventually redeem my loss to him uh, after the prediction at Slammiversary. And uh, on Rogue Opinions, the Rogue Retro Smackdown is years back. Uh, the next episode should be out Sunday at the latest. And then we've got Survivor Series 99. It's already been recorded. It's going to be out after that. And uh, building up a back catalogue and I'm uh, bringing in some special guests from outside of uh, Rogue Opinions. Yeah, uh, absolutely. A lot of stuff to look forward to there. And uh, I'm not sure I appreciated the tone on when you thought I was going to get my quiz done, but I'll move on. Uh, Nathan, uh, let everybody know what you got going on and what's all going on around the Rogue Opinions maple tree. You can find me at uh, Nathan Greenaway if you want me to not reply to you. And uh, check back through the back catalogue. Bantam Munich is still going with all all your sports needs. There's some Formula One stuff uh, going on as well. The Naked Men podcast trundles along at uh, at a pace uh, last week we did a watch along of the will ferrell uh eurovision movie the story of fire saga so if you want to crack a drink and watch that with us that's up at the minute uh and yeah i'll be back for jimmy's quiz in like six weeks when he actually gets it done again not sure i appreciate the tone um but yeah as nathan said you can follow us at rogue underscore opinions where nathan will probably get back to you more than he would on his uh for any complaints about uh anything really uh get to ben underscore ebert um (laughs) make sure to check me out over on twitter at mr riot that's m-r-r-i-0-t because why guys why 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 that's right counter-strike was a thing when i was a kid uh and uh you can check me out over on twitch tv next friday uh from when we're recording this july 31st for MV Young's outdoor polycult party uh, from a secret location in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I'm going to be doing commentary with my buddy, Scotty Cerriti. We're going to get the band back together, and we have quite 
the card. Uh, four matches have been announced, and it is the Ring Light Championship, MV Young defending against Effie, Billy Dixon, and Erica Lee for the Fight Club Chocolate City Championship, Lee Moriarty and Ziggy Haim, Bobby Orlando and Nick Staff. All those matches and probably a little bit more over on Twitch TV on July 31st. Please go make sure to check us out. Uh, and then, of course, uh, as I said earlier, YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Magic and Patreon.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Magic and at Wrestling Magic on Twitter. So many things. So many things. Thank you guys again for joining us here on this fantastic, great grapple update. And we will see you guys next time here on the Rogue Opinions podcast. Uh, but until then, I don't know, find something else to do. Go listen to all our podcasts. That's all. Are you ready?